Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Conversation, the Naked Leadership Podcast. My name is Chad. I'm here with Dan Takini and Adrian Kaler. How are you? Hey, hey. Great. So good to have both of you. Hey, this is our third installment in the series that we're calling The Life Cycle of Talent or The Life Cycle of a Team Member. In the first episode, we talked about recruiting finding the right person for the position. The second episode, we talked about onboarding. If you're just joining us in this episode, I highly encourage you go back and listen to the first two episodes. I don't know about you two, but I've gotten so much out of this series so far. Um, and it just seems to make sense, uh, you know, talking about it as a linear sequential thing. And I've just loved doing it. And I'm super excited about this conversation because I would say, this conversation takes up, and I'd love to hear you two weigh in, but this conversation today probably takes up the majority of my time with my clients that are business owners, leaders um, in, in charge of a team, really talking about how do we keep our talent and our team, our people inside our organization engaged. Up to this point, we've talked about newness. Uh, everything is new for this team member and for this talent. And eventually, once they choose, <laughs> the newness wears off. And what are we left with? How do we stay engaged? How do we uh, stay connected to the goals, the results that we were committed to when we started the, the relationship? We're gonna jump into all of that sort of stuff. you know. And, and when this newness wears off, it's often where boredom, restlessness, gossip, siloing, flying under the radar, doing just enough to not be noticed, that's when these things start to set in. Uh, and what we want to do is, as leaders is, A, be able to identify those things, but B, be able to uh, engage in them and, mm -hmm. and have a conversation with our people that will be beneficial. So uh, I just want to start off talking about uh, inviting, how do we continue to invite our people into a renewed uh, look at our goals and the results that we're committed to to, to have? Um, and uh, how do we continue to get engagement as stuff gets mundane? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, this part of that first, first two things are very naturally, I think, exciting for folks. Um, on both sides, somebody hiring somebody is really exciting and full of potential. And if you're coming into a new opportunity, um, you're you're you know you're naturally excited about what's possible and you're nervous and whatever. But you know, but some for it depends on what the job is, obviously. But sometimes it's a new domain you get to play with or a new structure to you know fumble around in. Um, you know, so what do we do when we kind of settle down, right? Settle into this new opportunity. And, you know, so you can, we can talk about this from both sides of from a, an employee. How does how if, if you're working for a company or even working in, even if you're the top person, this is still an active conversation. I know, you know, I, I am my I am the employer of myself and I am the employee unto myself. You know, <laughs> as I'm, I'm, I'm my own CEO. I am my own either best or worst employee on some days. Right. So. So even if you are running a company, you know, you. Uh, or a leader in the company, or a top leader in the company, you're kind of accountable to yourself. You know, it's worth talking about how do I stay engaged, um, or how do I re-engage when I find myself disengaged. I mean, that's that's a worthy conversation. A lot of a lot of the I think content or the time 
as we're coaching top leaders and executives, you know, what's, which is, you know, I think kind of the underlying conversation to what to do next is what's worth doing next, you know, and am, is it worth the trouble of doing what's next? Should I go have that conversation? Should I not have that conversation? Really, that's an engagement conversation. Like, am I willing to stick my neck out and, you know, really be fully here? Or do I just want to kind of get by or, you know, do what I can do to retain the, you know, you know, the uh, nice view of myself that I have. So, you know, but on both ends. So, I mean, I, I, anyway, I think there's a lot here to be discussed. And and maybe the broader point is, I think most of us, especially when work, when work gets chaotic, when the environment gets chaotic, when the, the market is chaotic, when the team, when there's lots of change, you can easily just, you know, check the box. Like, hey, we worked today and really give up the give up the conversation of how did we work today? Were we fully engaged today? Did we give ourselves to what's here? Are there, you know, we we quit asking ourselves or wondering about what full engagement looks like, you know, because that's I think if we're we're talking about if we're going to discuss it here, my 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 thought is like to discuss what does optimal engagement look like? Or what does full engagement look like? Or what does full participation look like? And how do you create a culture and environment in which people want to fully participate? I mean, what do you think about that, Dan, as like even a frame for the conversation? Well, it's music to my ears, but uh, so it kind of occurred to me when I was listening to the question and your response is really the, the lack of engagement, the mediocrity, you know, however those actions show up, boredom, uh, resentment or, you know, disengagement, uh, you know, isolation or siloing, those kinds of things are, to me, they're, they're like um, indicators of the culture, yeah. right? There's something in the culture, and I think you hit it, what you were doing is breaking down the culture is what I was hearing, yeah. that there's something like, you know, there are two, if, if I really understand what gets between me and very powerful decision makings, there are two things that come up uh, for me. And one of them is ego and the other one is blind spots. And, you know, <laughs> the, the ego is like, I don't want to look bad. I don't want to feel like I'm out of control. I don't want to be disliked. Um, and so I've hired somebody new. They, we've had a little honeymoon. Now I, and, and what happens inevitably is that anybody coming into the culture is going to need some coaching about, you know, what's wanted and needed for them to accomplish what they're committed to. Now, but if I've got, a, if I'm not willing to, if I don't generate in the culture, there's two things in culture that I'm looking for usually. And that's, you know, you got people and conversation in culture, right? In, in on an organization, you got people and culture and people are, how am I training people to be in the culture? How are we training people to be with us? You know, are they are they willing to be courageous and speak the truth? That that takes character, right? And know how to speak the truth in a way that invites other people to consider what's going on there. And I think that requires a willingness to want, you know, willingness to have other people look at what I'm doing and speak into the what they see is missing. Right? That's at the heart of the issue. Now, if that's part of the culture. People aren't going to get bored, <laughs> right? If, right? 
if in the culture right. highly valued what, and so what that's attached to is what's really highly valued is long term excellent performance right if that's really what we're aligned behind then we're going to have conversations we're going to be hey i'm going to go in going you know what everything anything i do has got to be subject to you chad eileen any other team member you know speaking to it about what they see as missing yeah talk for what do you mean when you say long-term excellent performance what do you mean so whatever so one of the things is what i like to to think of it, I, I break things down to simple principles, right? And I have like one, if I have clear goals that line up with whatever we're doing, like whatever the commitment is, whatever the mandate is, then um, I'll begin, to, the clearer the goals are, the clearer my ability to identify the problems that stand in the way of achieving them. And character is the unwillingness to tolerate those problems in for myself, right? It's not about going around badgering other people to get things done, but it's, okay, good, what needs to be discussed? And I'm willing to do the necessary forensics, if you will, to get clear between what are the symptoms and what are the real problems? What are the causes of those symptoms? What's, what is really the obstacle that's in the way? And once I can connect with that, I can begin to dissolve. Like, it's easy to say, oh, these guys are disengaged or people bored or they're standing around well, the point is, if they're standing around the water cooler, if they're not on time, if they're not delivering on their goals, then there's something I'm unwilling to do. There's some part of reality that as a leader or just even as a team member that I'm unwilling to question, to engage. And, and there's a, there is a collective tacit agreement that it's okay to stop at a certain level, that delivering on the goals isn't as important as feeling good, looking good to each other, you know, having a sense of control and comfort. Those things are more important than actually accomplishing it. And so my design, whatever I design to get through the obstacle is going to first take into account those values rather than delivering what it is I said mattered to me and creating the kind of relationship that's going to be conducive to that kind of inquiry. Because let's face it, what if, if, if I'm not in work to do something fantastic, if I'm not there to make a difference, if I'm not there to find meaning in my process, then I'm going to just be there to get by. And that's what produces the boring, right? I start doing the same thing over and over again. And, I, you know, I'm on time. I do this. I, you know, I do it just enough to get by. And if that's happening, it's because I'm not being giving an account at a level that would open up the possibility to deliver what I said. So long-term excellent performance is I deliver on my goals. When I, when I find myself falling short, I'm engaging the culture. I'm engaging my team members in what it's going to take for, to help me accomplish what I said. So there's, I'm not bored. I'm at stake. If you're at stake, you're not bored. You're, you know, and, and part of the at stakeness is that we help each other stay there. Sure. Right. Yeah, I've, I've never been bored with uh, real-time feedback, transparency, <laughs> authenticity, vulnerability. None yeah. of that has ever been boring to it'll, me. It'll shake your ass right out of boredom. I can guarantee that. Somebody. I remember I was working with this guy, John Hanley. He's one of the. He's one of my mentors as a kid. You know, young guy. I was working at LifeSpring. I'll never forget. I came in ten minutes late to a very important meeting. 
And he, he just afterwards goes, can I talk to you? I go, yeah. He goes, you owe me 500 bucks. I go, how come? He goes, because one, you were late and two, you didn't participate. Well, I go, well, how do I get that 500 bucks back? He goes, you sit down with me and you get real right here, right now about what was more important than being here in this moment about what we're doing. And I'll never forget that conversation was extremely difficult, but extremely valuable. And every meeting I came to from that moment on, I was on the edge of my seat. In fact, I wanted to be part of the, the spearhead that opened up the possibility. And what it did is it brings, it bring, and he had a habit of getting us up to what it is we said we were committed to doing and remembering what that was going to take, right? Yeah. And I, I, and I think that takes time to create that kind of value because we started valuing each other as well. We, we started constructing a relationship that was meaningful to us with each other. What, Dan, that's a cool, cool story. When did that happen? What year was that? 1984. 1985. Yeah. 1985. Oh, absolutely. Right. So, I mean, I'm just worth 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 pausing to those that are listening that are leading teams. Have you had any conversations in the last year that your people will talk about 35 years from now? Put that out. That level of engagement will, you know, because what John did for you there was like, say, hold on. Crossroads in the relationship. Yeah, that's right here. It's like, hey, if I could let Dan keep being how who Dan was in that moment. That's got some treacherous, you know, reality to it. Or stop time, have the right conversation, and then you know, open up a whole new realm of relationship and performance for Dan. Yeah, well, it's interesting because he said his opening line to me, I'll never forget, was yes, thirty-five years later, never forget it. The first line was, "Why did you call this meeting?" And I said. I didn't call this meeting. You did. He goes, see, you're not in touch with reality. <laughs> Are you on this team? I go, yeah. Are you committed to what we're committed to? Sure I am. Then why did you call this meeting? It's your meeting just as much as it's my meeting. That's right. And, and so we were missing you. In other words, the person who called the meeting never showed up. Yeah. And he says, that's why this time I'm charging you $500. Next time it might be your job. Yeah. Right. And, and but but then but his point wasn't like a threat. It was like, what are you up to? Yeah. Like, it wasn't threatening. He's saying, you chose this and you could choose leaving too. I mean, and then when I said, how do I get that 500 back? He said, then, well, let's talk about what was more important than you being here. What were you, you know, was that really more important or were you using that to protect yourself from the vulnerability of what was going to be called out of you? What was going to dominate you to bring forth what you promised here? That was the conversation. It was like, was that really more important or was you, were you using that? And it would happen to do with my kids in my home. He goes, because his point was really, was that more important or is that just your, what you use to avoid when you're afraid you can't deliver or you don't, 
You don't want to get vulnerable enough to find out what it's going to take to do what you said you're going to do. Yeah. 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 Well, I, I just, it just hits me how many, how many times, how many opportunities if people want to be reflective on their own leadership as you're listening to this. It's like, how many times have you found yourself complaining or being upset about the results that somebody has been bringing you, but haven't been that rigorous along the process where they've been giving you signals that they need help. They've been giving you signals that they're disengaged. They've been giving you signals that they're unhappy, un, you know, um, uh, under-resourced, uh, in a really crappy mood, in a slump, whatever. They're giving you signals, but you don't want to see those. You just want to wait and then be angry about the results. Oh, no. I want What I want to see is I want to believe they're coming in developed before I have, I don't have to develop them. I'm just hiring somebody because I don't want the trouble, the time, the effort, the, the, you know, wrestling with what it's going to take to get, you know, have it work. I'm thinking about the interview we have with this marketing guy coming up, right? Because you're talking about signs and it's, it's, they don't, it, it's, some people will think, well, you know, this has to do with the people who work with, you know, it has to do with anybody that I'm contracting with as well. So we're, we're looking for online, coaching, right? The ways to really help get our message out there. And we've been up and sort of reached out to a couple organizations. One guy reached out to me. I said, come on, love to talk to you. Now he's been pinging, pinging me for the last six months. And the way he's been pinging me has been pretty good. I, I don't feel pretty good about it. But then I, I send him exactly the process I want to get involved. Like, in other words, I'm going to contact, I'm going to put you in touch with our uh, client engagement coordinator. She'll set up a time so that our partners can be on the call because it's going to require all of us and we'll be ready to vet what you have. It, and what does he do? He sends back a calendar invite that you haven't checked and, and you haven't, none of you guys have been involved in. So I'm thinking to myself, there is a sign. First thing I'm going to do is talk with this guy when we get online is about that. And then I, and why? Well, I'm going to see how he receives my feedback about what won't work for me, I already see it coming. That doesn't mean this guy, I still don't know if this guy's gifted enough or talented enough or has the experience, but the first thing that's gonna tell me about his maturity is his ability to deal with my feedback to him. And if I can't give him that feedback and can't engage and explore with him, not to make him wrong, but to find how we need to work together, be hard on the problem, soft on the person, then that tells me this guy's probably not, won't, won't be working with us. Right? I think we get signals like that all the time. I think yeah. we get, and then whether do I want to, because I'm, I'm uncomfortable about the call. I don't want to, I'm not going to jam this guy, but I'm going to say, look, this didn't work for me and it sends a flag up for me. I'd like to discuss it now to see where he goes. With it. Whenever I'm involved in these types of conversations, when we're talking about a team member who, especially if I'm talking with a leader who is dissatisfied with the performance of a team member, and it's come to the point where they think they need to let them go. Uh, either some drastic changes need to happen or they need to go. One of my questions to them that I learned from you, Adrian, is, well, how long has this guy been walking out? Like, how long has this guy shown signs that he's on his way out the door and you ignored them? And I've agreed with him tacitly by not addressing him. Yeah. That's right. And what were those signs? And are you willing to see them now and address them? Yeah. And, and just discover, because part of it's learning for me, right? How have I yeah. trained this? Yeah. You know, because we've done it. We've, we constantly are intervening with each other. 
And how have I trained this person to let them know that it's okay for them to be mediocre? And it's mm -hmm. okay because I want to be mediocre. I don't. I want to come to work today and sleep. I'm a little tired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I have the T-shirt. I have about ten of them, or maybe a hundred of them, in my closet. Right? <laughs> yeah, I got to watch myself when I'm in the everybody leave me alone mood. Yeah. Would the world just go away? Would you stop it? I'm tired of having problems. If I'm in that mood, I got to watch it. Um, but I, I go back to the question: with how we keep people engaged, though, is really be clear about what our goals are and how yeah. what they've committed to. What are their goals that line up with what we're doing as a team? And that it starts there, you know. And people can say, well, and the danger in that is you objectify people to get you get what you want. And that's easy to detect because I don't really care about where they're at. I just want them to perform. I, in fact, you can, I know when I'm objectifying somebody, when I complain about the potential time it's going to take to connect with and realign with them about what we're about. Hmm. What do you that's, mean? What do you mean by objectifying someone, Dan? Objectifying. In other words, I just see them as a tool because that's the danger. That's what you're going to hear from people. You just don't care about me. You only care about what I do here. And that can be true. And, and, and the way that that's true is I don't want to, one, have that conversation, two, any other conversation that I feel is a waste of time because I want this person to get up to what they said right now. Yeah. Yeah. Because the, the second aspect of this, in order to get people, if you want long-term excellent performance, you got to be willing to work with people to become self-correcting. And they're not going to be able to get self-correcting unless I take responsibility for correcting myself in a way that continues to communicate, calls them into what's most important here to us, what, based on how we work together, right? So if you came to work and, and work is just a way for you to get what you want out there, you're probably not going to fit in our culture. Like, in other words... If you're just here to use work so you can get what you want, which is not a bad thing, that may be one of your goals, but understanding that doing your best here, being excellent here, allowing yourself to be dominated by the problems you were hired to solve in a way that brings forth your vision is actually the best way to engage meaning with us. And that's going to create the greatest opening for you when you leave here. You're going to have more income. You're going to be excited. What you learned here will benefit you out there with your family and yourself as you move into your community. I, I, but I don't know. I know for me to think that I have to get up and think it like when we get together for a meeting like every Monday, I keep thinking, well, why am I doing this? Mm -hmm. Am I just having this meeting so that I can get this over with? Or how can I have this move the ball down the field? To what's most important to us? What am I missing? What you know? How can I at least bring myself to the party so I can come into contact with that, and then respond? Right. It's been on my mind a lot because we're doing a number of contracts that are centered around this, and yeah. I'm noticing how often I take a vacation. Yeah. In my mind. <laughs> yeah. So I'm just more of a com I'm talking to myself while I'm talking to you guys. Yeah. Well, well, I have how much I've taken a vacation or how much I'm just entranced by the idea of a vacation. I don't have to actually be on it. I can just be I can just be wanting it. It's like sitting in I remember sitting in algebra class 
taking a vacation, looking out the window, and then missing everything that went on, and then wondering why I, I was struggling in algebra, right? Yeah. 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 Well, I can tell, I can tell, I can tell you when you've been up thinking and writing, you know, because you come back very, um, you know, very uh, frameworked out. And I think if I could add a little bit to it or, or put a little, uh, pull it down to the ground a little bit, you know, it's the, the conversation about when people are just there to get a paycheck. Most people aren't, most leaders haven't had a conversation with their employees about what's required and about what I'm gauging them on. Because there's natural answers to what it takes to be successful at work. Usually that's results. And then one step behind that is the value of that. Like, let's talk about the value of that, because that's right on. But I don't often, I mean, what helped me with John in that many years ago was he he actually helped me see the value in what he was talking about. I mean, I in my mind, I got what he was talking about. When I started to see the value of it for both the organization and me personally, it sat me up and, and lasted a long time. I started to correct myself along the way. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think the um, I, I think the conversation with John was like actually twofold. One one sounds like he was correcting a behavior that didn't work first, yeah. Yeah. and then he was actually pointing you towards a much bigger vision for yourself and how to participate in work, like how to really utilize work in order to grow and expand yourself, your own capacity. And the benefit of that to me personally and my family, and which really, I mean, I'll never forget, I really love my work there. I mean, I really love working there. It was the only place where I worked for another, where I didn't work for myself that I valued as much as working for myself. Yeah. Because we were constantly engaged in that. Yeah. Well, I think, I'm, I'm thinking here about the listeners, if you listen to this, wondering what you struggle most with. I know even as a pretty assertive guy and I'm pretty I'm both high in the frank domain and frank, and high in the diplomatic. Uh, you know, I, I tend to get to the point. I tend to do it nicely uh, sometimes, um, you know, and I tend I, I was just looking I was looking actually last night at my. Um, Harrison. My, my Harrison results and just looking at. You know, uh, com- comfortable with conflict. I have a 9.0. It's my sixth one, right? So I'm, I'm pretty good with conflict. But yet at times, I want to avoid having a tough conversation. And I'm pretty high on the scale of people that are, quote, unquote, comfortable with conflict. Part of it for me is just practice. I've decided to become okay with it um, and be willing to and all this kind of thing. And I'm just, I'm, I'm, I know there are so many corrective conversations that don't happen along the way. And most people as leaders know they know it too. Yeah. You right. know, you know that you're chickening out. You've got reasons why you're not doing it. Called yeah. busy, called not my job, called, I don't want to have this because if I have this conversation, I have to have this conversation with everybody, called favoritism, don't want to be seen as this, blah, blah, blah. You call it all the things. And that it might that might be true. I'm guessing it's as, as true or more true that it's just pure cowardice. I know for me that's what it is. What yeah. I want to yeah. I'm just being a coward. I'd rather not stick my neck out. I'm just seeing two two conversations here. One is corrective conversation. The other one is actually the high performance conversation, which is potential. Yeah. 
it, 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 and it's got to be generative. It's got to be yeah. a conversation that when I'm done, what's been left with the other person. Like when John was done, I was generating. I was engaged in it in such a way, even though part of my ego, he was pointing out a blind spot, which my ego didn't like, so I felt shame. Yeah, he, he didn't let him stop. He didn't get hooked into my shame. He, he was like, "Okay, look, this isn't about you. It's about your how you're showing up." Yeah, like as I know, he, I mean, he even said this. I know that if you want to show up, you will. That's why I hired you. Yeah, I want to let you know when you're not. Yeah, because you know, then you because that's how you move yourself out of the organization, right? Yeah. Well, I was thinking about this this morning, um, just because I saw a license plate that said. L eight L eight W eight, which I was like, it's. I think it means late, late, wait, wait, late, late, wait. And I'm guessing that that's how this person lives their life. And I'm guessing if I know if I was around them, I wouldn't like to be their friend because I don't like waiting on people. That's quite a commitment in life. <laughs> late, 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 wait. wait. I am late, committed late. to being late, late, and you will wait. I, that's what I read into it based <laughs> on my based on my you know view of the world. Anyway. And then it got me thinking about, you know, that, you know, with all, if, for those that are listening that haven't worked with us, you know, we always, I invite people and get them to agree to commit to being on time for the coaching call. Yeah, we have. Beyond what most of the leaders I work with at their level, they get to usually get to walk into meetings whenever they want and no one asks them anything, any differences. And they don't even ask why they're late anymore. They're what just. What was that one comment the guy made who came into our training, remember? <laughs> yeah. So we're in, this, we're in this training. And it was, I think, 21 minutes late. I think I think at the 21-minute mark, one of the members, there was probably, what, 13 people there-ish? Yep. This, this is an executive team of a very prominent organization. Yeah. And this one guy comes in, and he, he's, he walks to the front right behind us, Dan, and puts his hands up in the, in the air and says, I was worth the wait. And then goes and sits, goes and sits down. And nobody said anything. Nobody said a thing. Nobody he had said no idea what he was walking into. Well, <laughs> we had a long, very productive conversation. But yeah. interestingly enough, within a few weeks of that meeting, he decided that really wasn't the organization. Even though he liked it, he wanted to be there for him, but he realized he was a bottleneck and this wasn't going to work. And he exited it himself very amicably. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, that's feedback, right? I mean, that, that is a sign. If we're talking about signs, we've got a handful of conversations going on right here. But, you know, that's a sign like, OK, something's going on for this guy that here's here's what's worth wondering about. Let's just say it that most people are going to say, oh, he got caught up in traffic. And that's what people say. What they don't wonder about is why one decides to communicate via being late and letting traffic be the reason. That's a weird statement. But, you know, the, the person's late which just says it didn't matter enough to the person to be on time. Now, why doesn't it matter enough to be the, the person for the person to be on time? Everybody else battled traffic. Most of the other people in the room had, had, you know, had companies to our companies had families to contend with and needs of children or, or spouses or partners or whatever to contend with. And they made it. Um, well, why, one of the questions I asked myself is like when Hanley was talking to me, I thought, well, how many flights have I been late to? Have I missed? And all the thousands of flights I've taken, the only flight I missed was because I was reading a book and I got on the wrong plane. That's the only one I ever missed. I've never, and I have kids and all this, but I'll be late to a lot of meetings or I could have been late to a lot of meetings, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's like, okay, good. How come I'm at stake there? Yeah. Well, 
where I was headed with all this was I was thinking about how many, many of our clients, my clients, I'll just say for me, my clients end up being late and, and they're usually on time because they just, they've just said, yes, they're going to be on time. They're usually on time in the beginning of the contract. And then later in the contract, they, they start, they start to show up a minute late. And then I know I've got an opportunity. Either I'm going to hold them to their word, what they said they were going to do five months before, or I'm going to co-sign the fact that I no longer care about what I said I once cared about. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I can utilize, oh, this person's cool, or oh, they get it, or oh, they're my friend now, or all these things, utilizing, talking myself out of being committed to someone else's integrity. Mm -hmm. And here's why I bring it up. Because I, I think as you've got, especially I'm, I'm thinking about one senior leader in my head right now, who's a part of a really huge firm, international firm. He runs a significant region of this firm. He's the rising star, the, the, the future, the CEO, heir apparent, this guy. And he's got some people around him. Um, and, and anyway, he's the guy in my head right now. He's been at the company for, let's say, 20 years. And he's worked, there's some high some some really great leaders that are around and that have been there for just about that amount of time. And here's what I assume is that when some other leaders that you've been working with for 10 years or more, like we just co-sign on statements like this. Oh, that's just the way he is. That's just Tom. That's just Bob. That's just Susie. That's just whatever. Instead of having that second conversation that Hanley had with you. Yeah which was yeah. to check in about what would be most meaningful for Dan. It's no longer about what's corrective, but what could be most meaningful for Dan and how many conversations we don't have with top leaders as we are a top leader, how many conversations we don't have because we've given up at least the opportunity, if not, if not the responsibility to really talk, always be in a conversation like a generative, always be in a conversation with our, even at what might occur to us as our peers. Yeah about what's possible for them. Because maybe we don't want to be seen as the intense person or the pain in the ass or the whatever. I don't know, whatever you might, we might label ourselves so we don't have the conversation. I don't right. know if this, if this is too weird, but is this, does this make no, sense? Makes a lot of sense. I mean, when I hear you say that, it's basically saying, how often am I willing to communicate to people I work with that it's okay to be here for other than what we said we're here for? Yeah. Right. And, and, you know, that's a that's a big deal because the more I do that, the more off purpose we become, right? And it only takes any one of us to start to remind us of why we're here. But think it in a for in a way it's a form of betrayal. Yeah. Like you said, I'm now not I said I was about this. And a lot of times, if you think about it, I've found that oftentimes people don't even get oriented to that way of thinking that's most conducive to this project or what we're up to. Yeah. And I think that I've done that before because I don't want to be held to that standard. I don't want to come out right. and take a stand so I don't orient other people. Yes. But when it doesn't work out, it's all about them. What's wrong with you? Didn't you see? Well, you didn't orient me. I didn't know that. Right. Yeah. What do I got to do? Draw you a picture? I mean, you know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like I just don't want, because if the clearer I get, the more they can speak into me about what's wanted and needed to have that happen. Yeah. As well. I don't want to be disturbed as well. What about this? You know, because I mean, a question maybe to ask yourself or to ask somebody else, if you're willing to, is to look some other senior leader in the face 
look yourself in the face first and ask yourself this question and then be willing to ask somebody else. Are, are you giving everything you've got? Which is very different conversation than are you trying? <laughs> you know, because I mean, that's a, this is these are these might go in the I'm only giving caveats based on my insecurities. This might be in the conversation of like the two intense conversations, which is when I talk myself off the ledge and my agent quit being so serious. But the but really, I mean, I know when people and Dan, you do this to me. You check in with me around how I'm really doing. Yeah. You know, and then you you lay vision for me what I'm po what's possible for me that I don't see based on my concerns in the moment. Right. Based on like, oh, the current bandwidth right now, all the 50 transitions going on in my life. Not like everybody else is not listening, but we've got some some unique, quote unquote, unique things that are happening right now with blah, blah, blah. Lots of stuff happening. And I can talk my I can talk. I consider myself a pretty high capacity person as a commitment and, but I can still talk myself into surviving the day, just getting by. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's interesting you say that because what I'm watching is what I watch myself, which is there's certain aspects of my own struggle that I want to alienate myself from. So I don't look bad. Right. Like I can handle it when maybe I need your help. Yeah. Right. And when I see that go on in you, or I think it's going on in you, I like to check in because we have a lot in common that way. And, yeah. I can say, well, I've got it, I've got it, when actually I'm struggling, and then I deliver a suboptimal product, right? This is, again, so we're getting back to culture. If you want to keep people engaged, yeah. you got to orient them to the culture, and you got you got to be willing to invite them into speaking correction into you. Like, I, whatever I produce, I want some feedback for it. That's why we do a lot of that, right, back and forth. Yeah. Not because, I mean, because that's the way to get the best thing done. Yeah. Right? I want my best work and I can't always see my blind spots. And so, like I said, ego blind spots. I think if I have a view of myself that I'm supposed to be perfect and then you show me a blind spot, I'm going to get defensive. Right. Right. And that, that's what, and then I think what helped me in my early career and continues to help me because I've failed multiple times is under like identifying that one like there's more than one, but usually try to find a big thing that gets in your way. What sabotages you, right? Yeah. Like you said, I'm sometimes, you know, you're too intense. That could be one thing that gets in your way. So if you're aware of that, you can throttle it down. You can check into it, right? And that can improve your competency in a huge, you know, in a huge way. Or you get defensive. Knowing that I get defensive, that's one of my big things. So knowing that I can check myself before I wrecked myself in the conversation. So. Yeah, yeah you, you heard a good hearty laugh from me a minute ago because it just sounded so familiar. I just <laughs> see so much of myself in this conversation. Um, I've been, as I've listening, been listening to you, both of you rap on this. Uh, there's been so much that I've loved as we look at the time and as we're, we're working to make these conversations a little more concise. I've been just distilling down some of the, some of the high points that I've been hearing. And if I can, uh, if I can just relay those, uh, real quick and then give you sure. guys an opportunity to give a closing comment, I think that'll round this conversation out really well. Uh, and then it sets us up beautifully for the next conversation as we talk about specifically talk about promotions, raises, benefits, all of that kind of stuff, not how to, but mindset behind them. 
and mm-hmm. um, and it's I'm excited for that conversation. It's going to be very grounded and 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 practical. But I would just I the three if I were to like simplify this con, it's not this simple and it's not this linear. Um, right. It's a cycle. But if I were to make it simple and linear, <laughs> here's yeah. how I would say: here's how to get started on pe- keeping your people engaged from the stuff that both of you have been talking about. The first one is self-awareness. How do you disengage? Like how, when do you get bored? When do you disengage? When do you decide the conversation, the difficult conversations not worth it? I think that's step number one to get really in touch with how to keep your people engaged. I was just, just journaling this morning. It's so topical for me. I was just journaling this morning. Uh, I'm feeling a lot of momentum right now with my clients. Uh, my, some of my clients are doing a lot of great things. Um, I've got a new social media plan that I feels authentic to me and keeps me on my toes and it allows for feedback and like all that kind of stuff. So I'm excited about that. I was just journaling this morning about the times that I get bored and that I disengage because I've seen this pattern many times before where I feel momentum it works. I get some successes and then I, then I get bored or I back off or I, I get, I feel like it gets too risky. So that's step number one, get self, like start to notice some self-awareness or get self-aware around how do you show up in the engagement of your team, your company, your organization. The second one is uh, what does it mean to be engaged Get clear about that. That is that does not hold any meaning until we give it to it. Yeah, like what results would you be producing? What behaviors would be present? What thinking and conversations would be in the foreground? That's right. That's right. Like a hierarchy of concerns by being clear about right. what engagement looks like. Yep. Yeah, because that's going to be different for everyone. And we can't tell our people stay engaged and think that means something. Yeah. Yeah. And then the third one is to stand for or commit to what you define engagement as. Meaning you're willing to get into the difficult conversations. You're willing to hold people accountable. You're willing to love them in that engagement. And, you know, I think if I were to take away three simplified points from this conversation that I've gotten out of it, it's been such a gift for me. It would be those. Yeah. Well, one 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 little nuance in here, if I could add, um, that usually gets overlooked, is almost overlooked in every single culture, at least I've worked with, is because those first two things I think are are rarely happen as well, which is like a leader doing a lot of thinking about how the leader's doing, like looking at myself, watching myself as I'm on the field, you know, having that third view, wondering how I'm doing. Um, I, I mean, I know I could always do that more and it would be served if I was paying attention to that. The second of, you know, of talking about engagement with the team, what does it mean to be fully engaged? The nuance here is getting agreement around what engagement is. Because there's one thing to oh, say, right. to oh, say right. what the expectation is. Yeah. There's another, th- another thing to like instruct and <laughs> expect expectation. Those are both good things, but it's not enough. At least if you're going to try to do the latter, right? So you said stand for this engagement. A lot of people will hold people accountable to something they've not been willing to hold to get an agreement with them about. 
That's a great catch. You said the word alignment, Dan, which is like that. Like, am I willing? Because I could go say, I'm in conversation with leaders all the time, that a lot of times, and I can do this myself, I'm proud of myself for saying what needs to be said. Sometimes I'll pat myself on the back. Oh, look, I said what needed to be said. But actually, I needed to be in a conversation with the person about the topic of what needed to be said. Yeah. Like I could say what needed to be said, but then listen, what do they think about what I said? Are right. they actually in agreement with what I said? And do we walk out of the conversation, to your word, aligned on, hey, now we're together. Now we're arm in arm going to do this thing that I said, then you said, then we said, and now we're doing this thing. If that's the case, then I can take a stand for and hold them to what yeah. they already said they were about. Yeah. And, and why I said aligned was because they may not agree, but they align because that's what they committed to and they're willing to get themselves or I'm willing to align even though I don't agree, right? I'm willing to put myself to it. When I, you know, that long-term excellent performance, that, that's where excellence comes in, is I'm willing to give myself to what I know matters, even when I don't feel like it, to make sure like I, and it usually shows up in preparation. It shows up in thinking about preparing for yeah. what I'm about to do with you. Yeah. Yeah, good stuff, man. And we all want that. We all want everyone else to to behave beyond their preferences for our sake. We all want that. Yeah. You know, am like I, am I willing to do that for you? But am I, right? That <laughs> you got no. you knew where I was headed. That's why I'm paying you. You do it. I don't have to. <laughs> Listen, have you not had leaders say that? Sure. Yep. In the most yeah. the most militaristic cultures, you'll hear that. Don't give me that shit. I hired you to do the job. I shouldn't have to be talking to you about this. Right. Right. That's right. Very kind of autocratic. Yeah. But that's great. I think those three points are really well taken, Chad. Thanks for summarizing yeah. those. Good fun, yeah, Chad. Thank absolutely. You. Yeah, I think this sets us up really up uh, nicely for the next conversation. Yeah. Well, and just to, to go without saying, if if you hear those three points and, and you've got a lot of frustration around those three points, we've created something to help you do it, to help you get into the conversation, um, which is go to frustratedfounder.com. It'll help you. We'll start to give you a template for how to get into the conversations. If you want to if you see that you've got issues in any of those three uh, dynamics, We've given you a template in order to work through them so that you can take the culture or take the relationship or take the the, the broken the breakdown in, the, in some one of the relationships uh, to the next level. So go to frustratedfounder.com. We made it for you. If you've got issues or tension in any of those three areas, if they're like, uh, no, I don't know how to do that. Great. You don't have to. We're going to help you know how to do it. Yeah. Yep. And, and we're going to work with you on, like you said, template or framework. We're big on frameworks because it's a great way principally to order the chaos that you're looking into. Right? To be able to find the things that are most important, identify them, and act on them. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks for showing up today, gentlemen. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Okay. See ya.
Well, friends of the podcast, thank you so much for joining us this week. If this podcast has helped you or entertained you at all, we encourage you to go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and a glowing review. That'll help us reach more people and grow this community. Also, the greatest compliment that you can give us is sharing this podcast with the people in your life that are looking for a new way to lead and to relate to others. And finally, if you have any suggestions or feedback for the podcast, we would love to hear from you. You can email me at chad at takenewground.com. Thank you so much for joining us. and We'll meet you back here next week for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast.